You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York jam-packed. As we roll through the next 60 minutes, we take you up till Golick and Wingo who come your way at 6 o'clock. Four days until Super Bowl 54, which cannot get here soon enough. Two weeks until Yankees pitchers and catchers report to Tampa. I think it's less than that for the Mets. You have eight days until the NBA trade deadline, so a lot going on there. And then you have the number 34. What's the number 34, Gordon? 34 is the amount of games remaining in another pointless Knicks season as they go out last night and lose another game and do so in a way that is just so counterproductive. It's amazing, and it gets lost because nobody's really focusing on the Knicks right now, and there's really no need to. So let's roll. Let's do it. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as well. If that's your thing, that's what you're into, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today, and I'm wondering to see just how things break down today because there's another Kobe Bryant-themed question. But uh, I'm interested to see how close the voting actually gets. Because to me, I don't feel like the answer should be yes, but I'm guessing a lot of people, at least right now, will feel like the answer is yes. But we'll get to that in just a little bit because the story continues to be, right? The death of Kobe Bryant last night was supposed to be that Lakers-Clippers game. The NBA, I think, properly postponed that game so that the players who... A lot of them have direct impacted, have been directly impacted by the death of, uh, of Kobe Bryant can at least have some time to process things. And I think it's just another sign that uh, Sunday, if they had to do it over again, I think the NBA would have probably, uh, if they thought about it a little bit, they would have canceled the games that day as well. But, you know, in terms of the stories that are going on now, it's not just the remembrances and some of them last night, especially the TNT special they had was just unbelievable. And we'll play you some sound from that coming up. But players have started to kind of think about what's the the proper way to remember Kobe Bryant. Some players have begun changing their numbers away from the number 24 to kind of unofficially retire it. Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets doing that. Um, He was in the number 8, though, right? So I think he was moving away from the number 8. Usually the league forces players to wait a while before they did that, but it looks like the NBA will um, allow those players to do that immediately. And I'm sure the NBA will come up with some way to honor Kobe. I don't know if it's by All-Star Weekend. I know that's not really the focus right now because the shock, the news is still so raw. But I'm sure before too long we've kind of had this conversation about the proper way to honor a star like Kobe Bryant, who was just so iconic and one of the not just one of the greatest players of all time, but just iconic as well. But yesterday, I think Kevin Durant really hit on an excellent point. And he was just excellent yesterday, talking about the tragedy, talking about how it impacted him, and talking about how somebody asked him about the, the proper way to to honor Kobe Bryant. And he said, you know, there's really nothing that he could think of that would be big enough. Like, that's how big a story it is. And look, we've had deaths in sports before, and I'm sure at some point we'll kind of move back into the world. You know, it's amazing how quickly and how resilient we are as people, that even right now, especially for those impacted, it feels impossible, insurmountable, I'm sure. But 
as as sports fans, you know, Sunday, I'm sure when the Super Bowl kicks off, you'll be all focused on that. And uh, one of the stories I bring up a lot of times, we were talking yesterday about the Kennedy uh, assassination, and uh, people at the time, I wasn't alive for it, but they talk about how, you know, it sent the country into this malaise for this long period of time. But that happened in February. Excuse me, that happened in November. And then by February, that was when Beatlemania started. So, like, it's amazing how quickly um, people and how resilient people are, even in the face of tragedy. But Kevin Durant, I thought, uh, really hit on it yesterday perfectly uh, and uh, said, you know, it's almost like what's the right thing to do? It's almost like Kobe was too big a person to really come up with something that's the perfect tribute. Here's a little bit of uh, of Kevin Durant on uh, the loss of Kobe Bryant. It's still hard to process this. It's, uh, it's a tragedy. It's made so many people in the world so sad. And having an opportunity to compete against Kobe and being around him in the human space was uh, was a joy. You know, and those emotions just started coming out at once. I mean, it's, it's hard to comprehend all of this. Um, but you know, just having up at that time and those moments with Kobe, it was always about pressing forward. You know what I mean? And I think at this time it's so hard to do so with just the amount of impact that he had on all of us. You know, it's, it's hard to, to keep going right now. But as a basketball community, as the, the world as, as a whole, I know we're all just mourning and sticking together when it comes to this. All right, here's the Durant talking about nothing will be big enough to honor Kobe. I mean, anything, I mean, it's so hard to say right now. I mean, it's just, just every basketball player go out there and play as hard as they can every single night to honor Kobe. I think that'll do. And, you know, you can't, I tried to write it, think about what I would say or what I would write. It was just like nothing was big enough, you know. And that's how I feel about everything when it comes to Kobe Bryant as his mark he left on the earth. It's like, it was like nothing to ever be big enough to, truly honor Kobe Bryant, but how we approach everyday life as people that were, me as a disciple of Kobe who study him and learn from him, I think it's my justice to go out there and try to be the best that I can be every single day, and not just in basketball, just in everything. And I, I feel like everybody who loved Kobe is going to take that approach in their lives. All right, so there is uh, Kevin Durant yesterday, and you know the, the idea of what you do to uh, honor him has been out there for a while. People have suggested changing the logo uh, people have suggested something to do with All-Star Weekend because that's just a, a few weeks away. That feels too small to me, anything to do with the All-Star game. And it's about striking that balance. I'm not sure what that balance is. You know, the numbers is great because it's coming from the players, and the players are the one that's are so impacted by Kobe and his career. Uh, and I'm sure the league will eventually come up with something. There's not really a timetable on that, and it's, as I said, not the most important thing to focus on right now. But I'm sure that they will uh, come up with something at some point and, and try to strike that balance. Now, secondly, last night TNT devoted their pregame show to the story about Kobe and obviously, you know, Ernie and Kenny and Shaq and and um, and Charles Barkley. They always are so great. And last night they had Jerry West on. They had Rick Fox. Uh, Reggie Miller was there. Uh, Derek Fisher was there. Dwayne Wade was there. And if you saw it last night or if you see clips today – it's about as emotional, as raw, unscripted. It's very difficult to watch. And it kind of put, you know, if you're, when you hear the news, it's incredibly sad. And then, you know, if you've had a couple of days, you're not in that same state. You know, you try to think that you're maybe 
processing it a little bit, and then you see them last night, and you're 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 cast right back into Sunday, and your mood is is the exact same as it was on Sunday, and you see how hard it's going to be for those guys to um, eventually move on. I did want to play some of that because Shaq was uh, just, as I said, raw um, and, and emotional as you can be as he kind of shared his thoughts about the passing of Kobe Bryant. We, uh, we up here, we work a lot. And I think a lot of times we, we, we take stuff for granted. Like, I don't talk to you guys as much as I, much as I need to. The fact that uh, we're not going to be able to joke at his Hall of Fame ceremony. We're not going to be able to say, Hi, I got five, you got four. The fact that we're not going to be able to say, if we would stay together, we could have got ten. Those are the things that you, you can't get back. And with the loss of my father, my sister, and my thing, that's the only thing I wish I could just say something to him again. Last time I talked to him was when we were here and I asked him to get 50 and he got 60. Last time I spoke to him. Yeah, and Shaq really, it seemed like he had a lot of regrets about not how things broke down because they seemed to put that kind of behind them, but just that he has not in his life, you know, you get caught up in life. And Shaq is a busy guy. He's got all these companies. He's got all these things that he's involved in. And it certainly seemed like last night that that's one of the the real lessons that he has taken out of these uh, last uh, few days. And then, uh, of course, Jerry West, who has just been – has been just so impacted by it. Uh, he was on last night, and actually, you know, it was not just all crying and 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 remembrances that way. It was it was telling funny stories. It's you know remembering him in the right way. And Jerry West drops out this uh, this bombshell about Kobe at one point wanted to join Jerry West when Jerry West was with the Clippers. I remember when he was going to lead the Lakers, and I've never really mentioned this to anyone. He was going to come and sign with the Clippers, who I'm now involved with as a consultant. And I told him, Kobe, under no circumstances can you do this. And he was mad at everyone, the Lakers, the owner, everyone else. I said, Kobe, you can't go play with the Clippers. You can't play for that owner, period. We had two conversations about it. And he supposedly made a commitment to the Clippers. And after the last one, we talked last time. But there's so many things that we talked about as he was just seeking information. He, his parents were with him for a while. And honestly, I felt like he's father for two years. I don't know if I can get over this. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, that's about as emotional, as raw as you're going to see somebody uh, on uh, on TV. And uh, it was it was certainly difficult to watch, right? I mean, it's difficult to listen to, and, and the sound obviously courtesy of TNT. But if you see those clips today, you'll I mean, you can tell just how amazing they are to to engage with because, like, the Shaq clip that's going around Twitter is like five minutes long. I mean, who puts a five-minute clip on Twitter? It's, you know, Twitter, it's it's in and it's out, right? It's 15 seconds, 20 seconds, maybe a minute. It's five minutes of Shaq just talking from the heart, and it is just uh, compelling and heartbreaking and all those things. So, And you knew that they were going to TNT, as I said. That, that show is so amazing and so incredible, uh, just a, a routine night. So to deal with a story like that last night, and the people that they had on and the stories that they told, I'm sure you'll see lots of clips of it today throughout uh, you know, the different social media. 
but um, just incredible. And, you know, there was one other one point that I did want to make yesterday, didn't do it, and I'm sure that this is going to be continue uh, to be an aspect of this story, and it deserves to be mentioned. The coverage that day, the reports, the information that was shared, the misinformation that was shared, I get that that must be, in the moment, an incredibly difficult job, right? Finding out information, being able to confirm that information, I'm sure that nobody involved is intentionally spreading misinformation. But the job by some on Sunday, I get very difficult circumstances, was just deplorable. Reports that his whole family was on the flight, reports that Rick Fox was on the flight, I mean, I don't know how you solve that because the the desire for information at that point is just so great and it spreads so fast now with Twitter and, and various social media. But boy, oh boy, in a story like that about life and death, you would like to think there would be a better way to make sure we get the right information out there and do so in a timely fashion. And that's bad. But it almost feels like over the last couple of days, things have been worse because now you have this story that everybody is still looking for information. You can't use the old information. You have to you have to come up with something every single day to fill that hole. And now there are stories being brought up. And the one that really kind of got under my skin was the New York Post showing pictures of the helicopter in fire. Pictures show Kobe Bryant's helicopter in a ball of fire. Do, Do you need that? Who needs that? We know that the helicopter crashed. We know what a crash means. I don't know necessarily that spreading those pictures really has any newsworthy um, value outside of just being salacious and just looking for attention. It's not about the actual news. We all kind of know how, you know, a helicopter crashed. Yes, I'm sure it was on fire. Or other stories about hear the audio. You know what, guys? I'm good. I don't need to. I don't need to hear the audio. Thanks, but no thanks. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. So the Kobe topic is there. You know, we've kind of spent the last couple of days taking calls on that. If you want to get in on that, I know a lot of people have been trying the last couple of days at one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. You certainly can. But we'll also kind of look at the Astros. Looks like they have their manager. We can touch on that. The Red Sox and Mookie Betts. It certainly looks like, I don't know if it's going to happen before the season because the team doesn't even have a manager at this point, so they got other things to do. But it certainly looks like, if you've seen these reports about the contract demands of Mookie Betts, that the Red Sox will be moving Mookie Betts before too long. And then Kevin, Ken uh, Davidoff of The Post has a uh, interesting article about the Yankees under the most pressure this year. So we'll touch on that too. 1-800-919-ESPN, one 800 Seven six, but the poll question is up for today. It's on Twitter at Gordon Damer, and it does focus on Kobe Bryant and this story out there that more than a million people, one point five million people, have signed an online petition seeking to have Kobe be the new logo for the NBA. Is that the right way to honor Kobe Bryant? Should he replace Jerry West as the logo for the NBA? You can either vote yes. No, it's up on Twitter. Coming up, I'll give you my thoughts. All the other stuff about the baseball, look at the Super Bowl, lots of stuff to do. Headlines today, it's Wednesday. Topic, of course, Kobe Bryant again today uh, as we uh, kind of look at this story about, um, you know, how do you honor Kobe, right? Like what's what's the league's response 
to this tragedy and how do they kind of put something in place that kind of remembers Kobe Bryant. And this is something that I'm sure is going to linger over the NBA all season long. Like when the NBA finals are over, I'm sure whoever wins will make some sort of statement about how they were impacted by Kobe Bryant. It's just, it's that big a story. And it's something that it's a moment that we all will remember forever. So I know that there's been a little bit of a push. I don't know how strong of a push it is. I said that the petition online, I mean, I don't know when, when those things ever go really anywhere to get Kobe to be the new logo. And I will say this, the fact that the logo is Jerry West and it seems like, you know, with his connection of drafting him and, 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 and getting him acclimated to L.A. life as a 17-year-old kid and feeling almost like a surrogate father to Kobe, maybe that's the transition you make. The only thing I would say is it, fe- it, it feels like if Kobe's the logo, it, it will, I mean, the first trigger I think you would have looking at the logo would be sadness. And I don't know necessarily that that's what the league wants. There is some way. It has to be a big way. I don't think it could be anything at the All-Star game or some little award here or there. Uh, maybe it's renaming the Larry O'Brien Trophy or, or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure the league is having some conversations. I feel like that the the, the logo thing would be would not be the way I would go. Uh, but at least so far, voting is very very close. Now, no is winning by a slight margin, but we'll see how things go uh, over the course of the morning. Now, some baseball stories that I want, did want to touch on. A looks like the Astros have their next manager. It's expected that Dusty Baker is going to be their next manager. And interesting, the Astros, this forward-thinking organization, who is certainly one who is big about collaboration between the – or at least has been in the past – collaboration between the front office and the managers – and the manager in the the dugout and and taking the information, finding the information, deciphering the information, passing that on to the manager who can then interpret that information for the players themselves – they, this forward thing, the, the, the organization of the future, they have decided, now looking for a manager, and looking for a GM for that matter, that they have decided to go with Dusty Baker, which is interesting because the Mets also, I think, look at themselves as maybe not a forward-thinking organization, but they want that collaboration. And that's one of the reasons why they went with Luis Rojas. Didn't go the route that a lot of us thought that they would – well, not that we thought that they, thought that they should go with a uh, established manager who has been through the wars and and has been around the block once or twice, and Dusty Baker's name or Buck Showalter's name or even John Gibbons' name. All these names are out there for the Mets, but they decided to go in a different direction. The Astros, this really smart organization who always seems to be able to get by, do more with even less, uh, they decide to go the the experienced manager route. And i got to be honest, I don't know necessarily that I'm surprised. I guess I am a little surprised because that is really a different mindset. Now, I think that Dusty will do a fine job. I would expect that the Astros will be back in the playoffs. They're still a good team. None of the punishments handed down by Major League Baseball really are any punishments for the team right now, right? No players were suspended. Yes, they lost their manager. Yes, they lost their GM, but that feels like if there's going to be any impact from that, that's going to be felt down the road. The loss of draft picks is going to be felt down the road. So Dusty Baker getting a chance to get back and manage again, good for him. He has generally done a good job of getting teams to the playoffs. Sometimes, obviously, in the playoffs it's not worked out. He's only gotten to the one World Series. 
and has not won a World Series as a manager. But interesting way that they went, and certainly the opposite of the way they've gone in the past. Now, I would not think that Dusty Baker, maybe he was just so desperate to get this chance at the age. I think he's 70 years old, so there's not going to be that many more chances for Dusty. So maybe he's more willing to accept information from the front office and, and institute that as the manager and gets away from the way maybe he was in the past. But he's a good manager. He can certainly manage and it's good to see him, I guess, back in the game. And look, he's got a great history of not just winning, not just doing good stuff with talent. He's got a good reputation for covering for cheaters, right? He was out in San Francisco. He had Barry Bonds out there. And now he'll be able to cover for these scoundrels down in Houston. So good for Dusty. He can get to uh, work out that skill once again. Second story, the Red Sox. There's been this... Back and forth between them and Mookie Betts. Are they going to trade Mookie Betts? Are they going to keep Mookie Betts? Are they going to sign Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts does not want to sign a contract before he becomes a free agent. So yesterday, Lou Merloni, who uh, doesn't show up in Boston, had this uh, story about Mookie Betts and the contract terms that the Red Sox have offered him 10 for 300. But that Mookie Betts' side has countered, and they have countered with 12 years at $420 million. That seems to be a pretty wide gap, (laughs) and it is a negotiation, but it seems like that's a large space to be making up for. And when you are the Red Sox and you win a World Series – and shortly thereafter, you get rid of the GM who was running things before, and you bring in Heim Bloom, the second in command with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's pretty clear that your plan moving forward is going to be to do more with less, to cut costs wherever you can. So it certainly seems like Mookie Betts's days as a Boston Red Sox are coming to a close. Now, whether or not they come to a close before the season – I think it's looking more and more likely that that will be the case. There's been stories out there about how the Dodgers have been interested. There's been stories out there about the Padres making an offer and whether or not they can make the money and the prospects work. But I think as you are getting closer and closer to the start of spring training and the Red Sox are looking at this season where they might expect to compete, but they also have to expect at some point punishment for Major League Baseball is going to come down on them. They were already looking at Maybe they're expecting to compete, but they are looking at a down season for them. They are not expected to compete for a title, I don't think, this year. Maybe they think that, but I don't think most of baseball thinks that. And now you're looking at the the prospect of losing draft picks, and you have this contract out there with Mookie Betts, who certainly seems fit on getting to free agency and then signing with the highest bidder. I think it's more and more likely that uh, Mookie Betts is going to be on the move before too long. Thirdly. Yankees, the story by uh, Ken Davidoff in uh, the New York Post talking about the uh, Yankee players under the most scrutiny this year, and the number one name, it's not really hard to think of, would be Giancarlo Stanton, right? It's always going to be based on his contract, based on his history before coming here, based on the fact the Yankees with him have not won. He is going to be the number one guy, and based on his, his postseason stuff and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be Stanton. And I think he named Stanton number one. But here's the deal about the Yankees facing the most scrutiny. All the Yankees are facing the most scrutiny. 
The Yankees this year must, the only goal, and, and this might be the goal every single year, given the landscape of the American League, the Yankees basically have to win the World Series this year, right? The Astros are expected to take a bit of a hit. Now they're still, I think, going to be a good team. I think that they're still going to challenge the Yankees, and maybe that will be the rallying cry for them all year. But the Red Sox are down. There's nobody, you know, who's in the uh, American League Central? The, the, the White Sox going to scare you with the moves they made? Or the Twins after everything that's gone on with them? Great, they added uh, another big bat. That was not really the problem. So, yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees who are facing the most scrutiny this year, I would say Stanton's one. Garrett Cole, based on his contracts, number two. Gary Sanchez is number three because he's always up there. And then you have the rest of them. I mean, Adovino, after the performance in the playoffs, that's going to be a guy that's going to have to show he can bounce back and then pitch well in the postseason. Urshela, if he gets off to a slow start by any means, there's going to be questions. Was he just a one-hit wonder? And Duhar coming back from the injury. Even Aaron Judge. Basically, every Yankee is going to be facing scrutiny all season long. And Judge is because he doesn't stay healthy, right? He's played basically 100 games the last two years. So he's got to get back to playing 145, 150 games. one 800 espn one 3776 Let's go out to the phones this morning squeeze some calls in here. Pat is in Flanders. Pat, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Good morning. What's up? I want to know what you think the Yankees are going to do or should do with Clint Frazier. Right now, I think he's kind of wasted talent, and uh, you know maybe we might be able to get a good relief pitcher or a good starting pitcher for him because obviously it's a crowded outfield with Hicks, Stanton, Gardner, and whatnot. Well, Hicks so, is not going to be there because the injury. Back. Yeah, Hicks is not going to be there. He'll be back mid season. Yeah, no, but I mean this coming season, he's not really going to be around. Uh, look, Frazier right now because of he he's got to show that the outfield issues that he has had are behind him, and it's not. He didn't have the up until last year. He did not have the reputation. It's almost like he developed the yips, and those things are sometimes very. They seem simple to fix, right? I remember Steve Sachs when I was growing up. Just all of a sudden, couldn't throw the ball to first base, out of the blue. And we've seen other guys who have developed Rick Ankeel or uh, Mackie Sasser. So I don't know if those things are fixable. It's not obviously not a physical thing, but he's got to show. He has shown that he can hit at the major league level. I mean, it's kind of lost in because the season's so long and the Yankees had so many injuries at, at, at points last year. But Clint Frazier at one point was one of the guys who was carrying the team. He had a, about a, a three-week stretch where he was just unbelievable. So I think he has proven that he can hit at the major league level. I just don't know whether or not teams are going to be willing to trade for him. And I do think that eventually he's going to get traded. Right? I mean, it doesn't really seem like there's a spot in the outfield for him. If Stanton's going to be the left fielder, at, or and you're going to get Gardner out there at times, he's going to play mainly center this year. But between the outfielders you already have that are healthy, there doesn't really seem to be a place unless there is some big-time injury for Clint Frazier to play every single day. He's not really proven anything in the minors at this point because he's proven, I think, at this point he's, he, can, he can hit at the major league level. He was a top prospect when he came into baseball. But he's got to prove that he can uh, he can go out there and field the position, even not necessarily center field. Although in the minors he did play some center field, so he's got to prove that he can get over the issues that last year was just a fluky thing, and that uh, he's past it. Mike's in Staten Island. Mike, what's going on, man? Hey, Gordon. Good morning, brother. What's up? You kind of just turned my stomach when I heard that offer that they gave to Mookie Betts. These players are so greedy, man. And, you know, Mookie Betts, he had one off the charts year. I'm not saying he's not a great ball player, but he's not even in the top five. 
He had like an Ellsbury type year, and now he wants well, a huge no. contract. He, he, no, he had he had a bigger he had a bigger year on, than man. that, though. Mike. Look I at mean, last two years. I, I will grant you guys the past two years. That's not a, a four hundred twenty million dollar play. I don't want to hear about war. War is re- ridiculous. War. What this is guy it needs for? to be traded? What is it good for? Right. No. They well, need look, to get I, something back for this guy. Uh, well, look, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get something back for him. And you're right. That one year he had was unbelievable. But no, he, I mean he's a top five player. He, he he's 26 years old, but that one year was unbelievable. But it, it was better than a. It, he's not exactly uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. His year, what was the year he won the MVP? 2018, uh, 136 games, a batting average of 346, a on base of 438, and a slugging of 640. He had an OPS of over a thousand. His OPS plus was 186. 100 is like. Okay, that's you know that's the break even point. Anything above one hundred is the higher up you go, the better. And last year was uh, OPS plus of one thirty five. So he's had two years now, back to back, where he has been among the best players in baseball. Now you could ask, you could add to the aspect, you know, a lot of his 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 value is in his speed, and that is eventually going to diminish, especially if you sign him to a ten year contract. But in terms of being a hitter, no, he's a great hitter. He's a great hitter, but whether or not you want to spend $420 million for him, he's not the best player. He's not Mike Trout. That, that is fair. He's not been, he's never really been Mike Trout. Maybe the one year where he, but even then, I don't even know if it was Mike Trout that year, even though he won the MVP. Read the needle there, ends up in the hands of Baker with five to shoot. Baker out of the corner. Oh, what a tough shot. All right, so there you go. There is Rutgers last night. Go out and get another win. Rutgers has been uh, one of the uh, underrated stories. They beat Purdue last night, so now uh, they were twenty. They were ranked twenty fifth. They get they now fifteen and zero at home. I think it is. So a really good season for Rutgers, and uh, with the tournament not that far away. I don't know how many days. I ran down the days until this or till that. Maybe tomorrow we'll add how many days until Selection Sunday. But uh, Rutgers getting the win yesterday, seventy. To 63, had a lead, almost let it slip away, but uh, good for them. They get the win and uh, run along, much like Seton Hall. Those are the two stories here locally with college basketball, and and maybe you could make the the case that they have the stories in basketball (laughs) locally with the way uh, things have gone for the Knicks and Nets lately. So your moment of inspiration for this Wednesday morning. But it is Wednesday, and it is the third segment. And you know what that means, people. It's time for headlines. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. All right, we're a little late, so we're going to run through these things quick here. Uh, first headline, man charged with drug possession, busted for smoking joint in front of the judge. Do you need to have the trial at that point? I think that once that happens, you move immediately. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. You just go directly to whatever the punishment is. I don't know what the drug possession was originally. If it was a jail offense, if it was a, a ticket offense, if it was pay, I don't know what it was. Brian, you're getting ready to serve jury duty today. Yes. If the guy walks in on a drug possession charge and he's smoking a joint, do you you vote right away? Let's rate show of hands. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Good. Good to know. All right. Oh, I forgot to hit the... uh, Extra, I'm I'm blowing up the whole format here. Michael Bloomberg awkwardly shakes dog's snout at Vermont Vermont uh, campaign stop. Have you seen this clip? It's a clip on the internet. I guess Mike Bloomberg is trying, with all his billions of dollars, is trying to show he's the man of the people. He's a man of, uh, can relate to the common man. So he's walking around. It looks like, I don't know if it's a bar. I don't know if it's just a campaign stop. What it was. 
But there's a dog sitting there, and he he goes to to I guess pet the dog. But the I dog, just yeah, I mean, it's like he's never pet a dog before. He's so out of touch, he doesn't even know how to pet a dog. The dog kind of goes to open its mouth a little bit, and he just kind of sticks his hand in the mouth and just kind of shakes the dog's head. That's not what you do with dogs. You don't shake his head. You say, hey, good boy, how you doing? I can help, Mike. If you need somebody on staff to help you with the dogs, please call. Extra, extra. All right, let's move right along to Florida Man, because we all need some Florida Man stories this week. Florida Man in Easter Bunny suit arrested after hit-and-run crash. Extra, extra. wonder if there was any drugs involved there. Florida Man arrested for stealing drills and batteries to pay for his ankle monitor fee. So apparently the guy's already uh, has something going on where he's got to have an ankle monitor. Usually you don't need an ankle monitor. If you're just living right and and flying right and and living straight, you don't need an ankle monitor. But this guy did, and he decided to... They charge you for that? That seems like it's a bit of a double jeopardy or something. Extra, extra. Did I already hit that once? I think I did. Florida man accused of pointing laser pointer at planes and police. Not so effective on the police, right? Like the police are coming to arrest you and you're pointing the laser pointer. I don't think that's going to stop. Extra, extra. Florida man accustomed to cold weather accidentally sets his house on fire. Extra, extra. And then Florida man in jail after scamming Walmart out of more than a million dollars. That seems like an awful lot at Walmart. Like, if I told you, go into Walmart and buy a million dollars worth of stuff, I feel like you'd be able to buy the entire store. I mean, yeah, all right, you go get some TVs, get 12 TVs, It's even then, that's not really making a dent in one million dollars. This guy's extra, extra. I think he's in trouble. Our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is about Kobe Bryant. The story that I saw yesterday about, I think that the focus, at least, partly is, not just his influence, not just how horrible the story is, but what we do now to kind of remember Kobe Bryant, what the NBA does to honor Kobe Bryant. And uh, 1.5 million people have signed an online petition to see have uh, Kobe Bryant become the new logo for the NBA. Is that the right way to honor him? It doesn't feel that way to me simply because I don't know necessarily that this is the reason why you change the logo, right? Like, and, and Kobe right now, maybe you'll feel differently in a year from now that if the logo is, is somehow related to Kobe Bryant, it's going to feel like a sad thing, right? Because we'll, we'll all remember the reason why it's the, why he became the logo. It wasn't because his career wrapped up and, and, and he won so much or did all those things. But it's because that he was cut down kind of in the prime of life. So I don't think that that's the right way. I think that the NBA will come up with something. I like the players doing it on their own, kind of changing their numbers away from his numbers of 8 and 24. But I would say if I had a vote today, I would go with no. And at least right now, still close. And I'm interested to see how it how it plays out today. But at least right now, no is uh, leading the vote. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Then the other things we've touched on today... Dusty Baker going to be the new, it looks like the new Astros manager. Certainly a different way to go. Didn't know which way they would go, looking for a GM, looking for a coach. And I wonder if part of this is the suspensions for Hinch and Lunau, Luno were a year. And it's been floated out there that the Red Sox with Alex Cora, if he's suspended for a year, although it could be longer, um, 
if that's the way it plays out, whether or not those teams would bring those people back. And at least when you bring in Dusty Baker, a guy who's at – I mean, I don't think Dusty's going to be managing there for the next five years. I do think that that leaves open the possibility that when that suspension is up, I would not be shocked if the Astros went right back to the well. Would it be any more shocking than what we've already known and what we've already found out? Let's go back to the phones. one 800 espn Hector is in uh, Howard Beach. Hector, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. What's going on, brother? How are you? Good. This Kobe tragedy created a world of hurt. And um, with that hurt, impulse happened. And I agree with you in reference to changing the logo. I think that would be the wrong way for a fitting tribute for him. So here's my idea. All right. I think, you know, and you, you pick a day, sort of like MLB does with Jackie Robinson with the number 42, where everybody wears it. Yeah. You pick a day. If you want to do it this season, let's pick the All-Star game. The home team wears 24, the road team wears 8. What do you think about that? Uh, not terrible. I don't know. You know, the the problem with the All-Star game, though, it just doesn't feel big enough, right? You know, like the, All- it's, the, the All-Star game in any sport really isn't that big that, that, that much anymore. You know, there was a time when I was growing up, the baseball All-Star game was the be-all, end-all. Right, like the the American League had not won in forever, and I remember when Fred Lynn hit that uh, grand slam against Atlee Hamaker. I was like, "Yes, finally, my American League is gonna." But that's a long time ago now. That's 1983. That's forever ago, and it just doesn't feel like any All Star game is really all that important. And certainly, the NBA All Star. I, I know it's a nice platform, and I'm sure at the All Star game they will do something. I just don't know if, if the league is coming up with something, whether or not that's a big enough thing for the remembrance to be, you know, it feels like it has to be something that's kind of league wide during the season, but I don't know what that is right now. I'd like to think that if I heard it, I'd say, that's it. That's the one bang, but I've not heard anything. And the logo to me just seems a a bit extreme for the reasons I've listed. Chris is in Brooklyn. Chris. Yes. Gordon. um, This logo thing, I I think that's, Kind of stretching a little far. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you, you know, I, I just think I think a nice thing to do. I think it'd just be a little novel. Is if like the East Coast wears everybody like during the All Star Game wears number eight. Yeah, that, and, I, I think that's and a then everybody wears number twenty four. Yeah, I, it's not bad. You know? I, I I just thinking like, do you want to do something that's just for this year? or Do you want to remember him for all time? Right? Like if you name an award after him. If you name the Larry O'Brien Trophy after Kobe Bryant instead, uh, you know, or something along those lines, that's something that lives on longer than just this year. The changing of the numbers that I think would just be for this year. Yeah, yeah, one year, and I mean, I know it's an emotional decision. It's just uh, one of those. It's it's still very early. Yeah. in the game. Yeah, in a sense. So I think it'd just be a nice, um, you know, optic. If one side had the numbers, everybody had the number eight, and the other side, they had the number 24. It's not bad, Chris. I like that. I like that one. That's not bad for the All-Star game. I like that one. Uh, I don't know if that's what the, you know, that's, again, kind of the players taking that upon themselves. And I'm sure there's some approval process that the players have to get from the league, but that seems like that would be a good one. I just don't know if the league wants something bigger than that from them, something that will last longer than just uh, this current year. Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, listen, you know what? You know, we can take it a step further with Kobe Bryant and probably, you know, you say you want to make it something like more, uh, you know, uh, I guess like impactful. 
Mm-hmm. How about like on Christmas Day? You know, everyone's paying attention to the NBA. That's when the NBA technically kind of starts. The same thing, home team wears A, away team wears 24. Yeah, that will probably be uh, like an annual thing. And also, I, once again, I called just to agree with you. I called the other, like a, a last Saturday I called and said that Eli Manning was a passenger. And, you know, you obviously used to agree with me. But then you went to explain what a passenger was. And when you named Trent Delfrin and I think you said Brad Johnson, which I didn't even know he won the Super Bowl. I think it was, yeah, what was it? Yeah, when I was up at the box, right? yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, actually, you know what? He's actually completely right. Those are definitely passengers. Yeah, no, Eli Manning, yeah, you got to give it to him. Those throws, especially to the uh, Mario Manningham on the sideline, you know, even the plexical barriers were just uh, tossed, but the throw had to be done, you know, and you were completely right. That Eli Manning is no way a passenger in any of those Super Bowl teams. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Pro Football Focus, I think this week, actually listed or, or went through and ran their numbers through all the Super Bowl performances of all time, and I believe Eli was like, one was five and one was eight or something along those lines, something like that. So uh, I think that I think the first Super Bowl was five and the and the second Super Bowl title was number eight. So if that's the case, I mean, I tell you, you didn't need to know that, and that's just the Super Bowl performance. You might say, in some ways, the runs through those playoffs was even more impressive. So yeah, no, Eli Manning was definitely not a passenger. Now the question is, you know, at what point does he get into the Hall of Fame? And uh, I'm sure that that's going to pop up here at some point. And uh, we could kind of use the football right now, right, just to kind of get our minds off of everything. And, and Super Bowl opening night was not enough to do that. So, as I said, four days away from the game. And now you're starting to you're starting to get a little feel for it, right? You're starting to get into it a little bit, starting to look at some numbers, starting to get a feel for who, who you like, maybe a couple of, you know, a couple of shekels on the game, a couple of shekels on this thing or that thing. And the storylines that are obviously starting to emerge, a lot of them, I'm sure, are going to be about Andy Reid. To me, the big, the biggest storyline to me is what does Kyle Shanahan do to slow down and what do the Niners do defensively to slow down that offense? We've detailed how in this playoff run, you, you want to talk about quarterback play of a playoff run. If the Chiefs are able to go out and play like the Chiefs on Sunday, and Patrick Mahomes is going to go out and play like he has in this playoff run. You would have to say, just based on the strict numbers, I'm not saying based on the the quality of the opponent or quality of the defense, you would have to say that this is one of the best quarterback runs throughout the playoffs. They have been, so far, twice as, more, twice as likely to score a touchdown on a drive as they are to punt. They have scored twice as many touchdowns as punts as they've had in this playoff run. So if they go out there and they play like the Chiefs, and I don't know that they will necessarily, but if they go out there and they're able to go up and down the field and Patrick Mahomes is throwing to this one and running here and throwing there, well then I think if the Chiefs end up winning the Super Bowl, yes, the story will be about Andy Reid finally getting that championship, finally getting over the hump. But then, the I mean, as much love, and rightfully so, as Patrick Mahomes gets right now as an MVP briefly into his career, that that level will go to another whole whole nother level uh, based on his performance in these playoffs because it's hard to remember any quarterback putting up more numbers than he did. Maybe the Rams, the, the great Rams teams, I'd have to go back and look at all the different teams that they beat, but it would be hard to come up with a team that has played as well as the Chiefs have 
throughout this run. All right, it's going to do it for today. We're back tomorrow starting at 5. We'll see you then. 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.